The title of my message today is The Technology of Spiritual Authority. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you about levels of spiritual authority, and now today we're going to talk about the technology of spiritual authority. What is technology? It comes from two words, techne and logia. Okay, techne is, the, is an art or a craft, right? Could even put in science there, right? But it's a craft or an art, and logia speaks of system. So we're talking about the system or the inner working of a particular craft or art. Amen? Amen? So when we speak of spiritual authority, what we are looking at today is what are the inner workings of spiritual authority? And I want to share with you some of these. All right? Um, when we talk about authority, in the Greek it's the word exousia, exousia, authority. And to be effective in our warfare, we need to be strong in authority. And authority is basically the power or right to give orders, to decide, or to enforce obedience. Amen. In order for us to have breakthrough in this life that we live, we have to walk in authority. But I'm not just talking about the general believer's authority that we often preach about, okay? Where we've got authority in the name of Jesus. Those of you who listened to my message two weeks ago will know that I'm talking about various levels of that authority. So it's the power or right to give orders. How many of you know that Jesus says that believers will cast out demons, right? You'll give orders to demonic spirits and tell them where to go. Tell them how to leave. Amen? Right? So it's the power or right to give orders, the power or right to decide, and the power or right to enforce obedience. Amen. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about authority. So the first verse I want to share with you is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul is speaking and he says, For we wanted to come to you. How many of you want to go somewhere? How many of you during this holiday period want to visit certain people? Yeah? He says, for we wanted to come to you. He's talking about an apostolic mission here. I, Paul, did again and again. So multiple times he felt he needed to visit these people. But what does he say? He says, but Satan blocked our way. This is the great apostle Paul. One of the greatest apostles of all time, with a great name, obviously, that's an added bonus, right? But he says, Satan blocked our way. Could it be that some of you want to do certain things in your life, but Satan is blocking your way? And you see, authority deals with authority. Authority deals with authority. And Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. Amen. Now we see here that he's saying, but Satan blocked our way. And this is what some people would call hindering spirits. And some of you are about to give up. Some of you have labeled this kind of thing as, no, it was God's will. It didn't work out, so I'm sure God didn't want it to happen. And this is what requires discernment because elsewhere you'll find Paul saying, we wanted to do such and such, but the Holy Spirit did not permit us. But here specifically he says, but Satan blocked our way. 
Now, what interests me is how did Satan block their way? Very often he does it through people. For some of you, your way is being blocked by government officials. Are you hearing me this morning? And so when the officials deny you of a particular thing, you say, ah, no, yeah, I don't think it was God's will because if God wanted it to happen, it would have just happened. And you become passive instead of pushing through in the spirit. There are many things we believe in God for right now. Some of the things have happened, but some of the things have not happened. But there are prayers God has taught us to pray to push through in the spirit. Amen? And so I find this very interesting. There are these spirits that sometimes hinder us, and very often they work through people. Now what is interesting, I like what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, whether it was because of persecution or philosophic heresy, or the divisions of the church were the outward instruments, we cannot tell. But Satan was assuredly the prime mover. God is taking us to a place in our walk with him where we have that discernment, where we understand that, wait a minute, this is the enemy and he's blocking our way. And there's a way we can pray. Amen. I was praying into something this morning, something had come to my attention and I was praying and it is interesting when I got the message that, okay, there's this situation. I found it interesting because as I began to pray into the situation, God showed me some weapons of war, a weapon of war. And he was communicating to me that this one requires warfare. This is not the prayer of intercession. It's a thing you have to rebuke Paul. And we must know because often that determines whether our prayers are answered or not. Amen. I want to show you an interesting example of spiritual authority. Acts chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 1 to 8. We're going to read from verse 1 to 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Everyone say Cornelius. Cornelius. A centurion of what was known as the Italian, some, some translations say regiment, this one says cohort. A devout man, he was devout, okay, who feared God. He was God-fearing. Please note, he wasn't yet born again. He hadn't yet received Christ into his life, okay? But he was a devout man. He feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously. What do we mean by alms? When you give to the poor, all right? He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So he was consistent in his prayer life. He wasn't yet born again. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, isn't it wonderful when heaven knows you by name? Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror. Just imagine if you're watching this video. He stared at this angel in terror. It's a strong word, terror. And said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, watch this, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Did that angel visit everyone? No. But there was something that Cornelius did continuously, not just one day of doing it. There was something that he did continuously that got heaven's attention. Now, we like to encourage each other by saying, oh, no, yeah, God focuses on you. Heaven's angels are around you. But there's something that took Cornelius to another level. 
It says here, your prayers and your arms have been received as a memorial. What is a memorial? A memorial is something that causes one to remember. Amen? In scripture, when you see a thing built up to God as a memorial, it's to cause one to remember. And here we see something interesting. Because of his prayers and his giving, it got heaven's attention. And I've said to you before that in heaven, there are resources made available for you and me. Heavenly resources, right? Why is it that some people will have multiple angels working with them and will do certain working of miracles as a result of that and have certain breakthroughs as a result of that, but others have to push through for years? Somewhere along the line, what he did with his prayers and his giving got heaven's attention. Now, some people say, oh, no, Paul, but you're getting into works. No, this guy still needed to be saved. His works did not get him saved. But there were specific things he did that got heaven's attention. I don't know about you, but if God wants to bring revival to this region, I'm hoping there's something in my life where he feels like this is someone I want to work through for the revival I want to bring about. Amen? I find this interesting because some people have it and some people don't. You see, the speed with which your prayers are answered, it's not the same, is it? How can I explain it? There are times when you are casting out a demon from someone. And there are times where you know your authority. But for some people, it can take two hours. For other people, the moment you, the, that person arrives in the car park, that demon is fleeing because it recognizes that individual. You can be recognized in the spirit. I'm going to go into this. Okay? You can be recognized in the spirit realm. And so I find it interesting that it's the first thing the angel said. He didn't say, you are, you, you're so loved by God. He didn't say that. He says, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. I believe there was power in that combination. See, a lot of people are great prayer warriors, but they're stingy. Some people are very generous, but they've got no prayer life. Your prayers and your giving got heaven's attention. That's what it's saying. It says they've ascended as a memorial before God. So they were building this memorial before God, right? And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He's lodging with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called his two servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. So can you see that there was spiritual promotion for these other people? Because he had many servants, but he chose two. Why did he choose those two? There's a reason for it. Okay? It says here, and a devout soldier. It didn't just say any soldier. A devout one. And these guys had the opportunity to send this message through to Peter and meet Peter. Isn't that amazing? And the door of salvation, if you continue reading in Acts chapter 10, Peter gets involved, these guys get saved, the whole household, and what ends up happening is that there is literally, it's like revival breaks out, okay? They're filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit as a family, and I think that's amazing. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Joppa. What in your life right now is getting heaven's attention? I want to share with you this morning seven things 
seven things to do with the technology of, of spiritual authority. Are you ready for this? Okay. Number one, we can move to greater levels of spiritual authority and glory. We can actually move to greater levels of spiritual authority and glory. You are not in a fixed state. I'm not in a fixed state. I'm hoping that by the end of this message, there will be this hunger within you to say, I want to go to my next level of glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says in the NIV, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, so we need to be focusing on God's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Some translations say from glory to glory, which comes from the Spirit who is, comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In the ESV it says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So what degree of glory are you functioning at? How many of you know that there are levels of glory and at different levels of glory, different things happen? I shared with you that Jesus says, those who believe in me, he says, if you believe in me, the works that I'm doing, you will do great, these works and even greater. And you'll see that with Jesus, there was the woman with the issue of blood. And she said, if I just touch his garment, I will be healed. What happened to her? She was healed. And then we see with Peter, it said that those who walked past his shadow were healed. And the word there, it's not talking about literal shadow like the sun. It's talking specifically about the glory of God around him. Amen? It's talking about the glory of God around him. So that was another level of glory. But then it's interesting if you look at Acts chapter 19, it talks about Paul the Apostle, and it says God did great miracles in his life, and what happened was anything that had come into contact with Paul, it could have been a piece of cloth, it could have been one of his garments, if it was taken to people far away from Paul, where Paul was, it says that people were healed and they were delivered. Amen? The point I'm making is that there are different levels of glory that God wants us to functioning and there are different types of things that occur at different levels of glory amen and jesus is not insecure he's not like no the best miracles must be done by me we are his body amen same diffs the difference is the same isn't that awesome so here we see an interesting thing and i want to unpack this word a little bit what is it speaking of when it says we are transformed from glory to glory that word glory is the word doxa in the Greek. And you know what it speaks of? Often we translate it to praise. But that, that word praise there literally speaks of opinion. It speaks of an opinion. So when you give God your praise, you're giving him your opinion of him. Amen? And that's why when we're praising, we say, you are good, you are great, you are wonderful. That's my opinion of God. Is everyone following? All right? And so what does it mean when it says we are we are being transformed from one level of doxa to another. How many of you know that in the same way that we have an opinion of God, we have things we say of God, he also has things he says of us. I'm sharing with you revelation now, hey? This is not from a textbook or anything. I'm sharing with you revelation that I feel God wants in this church because when we catch this, it takes us to another level. 
What is God's opinion of you? What is heaven saying about you? And how many of you know that as you go to your next level, different things are said? Jesus at a certain point with his disciples, he said, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. How many of you know that the level of glory of friendship is that it's another dimension to servanthood? Amen? Now, many Christians like to just claim things and say, I'm a friend of God, I'm a friend of God, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. But what is God himself saying about you? Amen? And as we look at him, as we contemplate his glory, we are transformed from one level of glory to another. Amen? Let's go a little bit deeper into this. There's a difference between being gifted and spiritual rank. There's a difference between what? Being gifted and spiritual rank. In the spirit realm, there are ranks. They are what? Ranks. And they are, starting with an L, they are levels. Okay. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Elijah passed on the mantle to Elisha. Amen? Who was ranked higher in the spirit realm? Elijah. Who did more miracles that are recorded and documented in scripture? Elisha. They say to me, I haven't counted myself, but they say to me that Elisha's documented miracles are twice as many as Elijah's. All right? Who passed on the mantle of leadership to Joshua? Moses. In terms of leadership and speaking and taking on enemies, who was more anointed? Joshua. Let's have a li Moses didn't even go to the promised land. Right? Joshua had a strong leadership anointing on him. Who was ranked higher, do you think? Moses. When Jesus was transfigured, who pitched up on the scene? Moses and Elijah. I didn't see Elisha and Joshua. Are you hearing me? God promotes you to new levels in the spirit, but God can also demote. We don't like talking about that. You know, as charismaniacs, we're like, no, 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 no. I'm there and I'll always be there. And we've got this fixed idea. But the Bible tells me, and we must always go back to the word, because the Bible tells me that I am the Lord and I raise up one and do what to another. And I bring down another. So God also can demote. I have to find out, Lord, if I want to walk in the fullness of spiritual authority that you have ordained in my life, how do I need to be? How do I need to qualify for that spiritual promotion? I did a book a couple of years ago, The Technology of Spiritual Promotion. Please read it if you can. Was I covered there the whole concept that our promotion is from the Lord and we have to get into God's mind to figure out how we go to the next level. Amen? When you master this, it affects breakthrough in all of life. Not just in the workplace, in all of life. So that's the first point I want to highlight. So what's your next level of glory? And what activities associated with that next level? How many of you know that to go to your next level, there's a different diet? There are different things you eat at your next level in terms of spiritual food. You make the basics beautiful 
and we love the basics and that's a foundation but at a certain point God will say to you you know what don't feed yourself with this don't feed yourself with that keep pursuing this amen how many of you know that when you become a professional athlete oh congratulations by the way to my wife she won her first prize money uh, with the triathlon uh, just the other day All of a sudden, my whole view of this thing's kind of like, you know, changed. I started thinking, okay, I can work with this. All right, let's see. <laughs> okay, in, in, in triathlon, she, was, she came third overall in terms of women. Okay, that's all ages. She came third. I'm not allowed to say her age, okay, but that's all women. Right? And um, yeah, so I'm very proud of her in terms of that. And in terms of her age category, she came first. Okay. Isn't it nice when you have a pastor who's also into other stuff? Amen? Not just like, okay, if you're a pastor, you must be a worship leader on play piano. Okay, she fits into the piano pit. But, you know, we want, and those of you who want to be pastor's wives, how many, how many of you want to be pastor's wives here? How many of you want your husbands to become pastors? Okay, I see that end. Hey, okay, Mr. Pizze, you're going to have to up your game. <laughs> your wife wants to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> All right. But the point is, um, we don't want to cookie cut people. Amen. They're different types of people, and we want to celebrate that. How did I get onto that? Okay, diet. If you want to be a professional athlete, there's certain things you have to eat, and there's certain things you can't eat. Amen. So when we want to go to our next level of glory, it affects our spiritual diet. There's no time to read mills and boons and things like that. Amen? There's a different thing you eat because God wants to take you from glory to glory. Amen? What does it look like? At your next level of glory, there might be different levels of revelation in terms of insights you're actually getting. Okay? There might be different types of prayers that you pray. There might be greater speed in terms of answered prayer. There's the technology of answered prayer. There are reasons why prayers delay. At another level of glory, there's acceleration. Things that used to take you three months to do, now in one day, they're happening. Things that you used to fast for for 21 days, and intercede for some kind of breakthrough, now you're finding you're just decreeing it and it's taking place. Someone is getting this. Number two, spiritual authority manifests in your speech and it distinguishes you. Your level of spiritual authority will manifest in your speech and it will distinguish you. And we see this in the life of Jesus. In Matthew 7, verse 28 to 29, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now, were they amazed because of his use of words? Were they amazed because of his intellect? Were they amazed because he used fancy vocabulary? No, it says, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, scribes were very clued up people, weren't they? The scribes were the ones who were involved in writing the scriptures and often they became experts in terms of knowledge with regards to the area of scripture that they wrote, right? But it says that Jesus was different and the thing that distinguished Jesus 
was the authority by which he spoke. Your spiritual authority will distinguish you. Your level of spiritual authority will distinguish you. My question to you is, what are you looking for to distinguish you? Are you wanting to be distinguished just by how you dress? And is that, is that what you're relying on? Are you wanting to be distinguished by your use of grammar and big words? Are you wanting to be distinguished by your intellect or your physical prowess? You see, when you trust in those things, God, you're tying God's hands. He's like, okay, he's looking to that to distinguish him. Why am I teaching this subject? Jesus here was distinguished because of his spiritual authority. I don't know about you, but I want to go to my next level. I want to function at my next level. Okay? Authority was a key differentiator for Jesus. Number three, spiritual authority results in people not resisting your words and the spirit by which you speak. I didn't say you won't be persecuted. How many of you know that Stephen was persecuted and he was martyred for his faith? But it's interesting because he ends up in a situation where people were arguing against him. And look what it says in Acts chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. It says, but resistance arose from what was known as the synagogue of the freedmen, including Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and men from the province of Cilicia and Asia. They began to argue with Stephen. What does verse 10 say? But they could not stand up. Some translations say they could not resist. They could not stand up to his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. That is very powerful. By what wisdom do you speak? By which spirit do you speak? They could not resist his wisdom and they could not resist the spirit by which he spoke. You see, as believers, we've got a choice. Are we gonna speak by our own wisdom or are we gonna speak by God's wisdom? Amen? Are we gonna speak by other spirits or from our own flesh, or are we going to speak by God's spirit? Amen? I'm going to show you just now how it was similar with Samuel the prophet. My question to you is, by what spirit do you speak, and by what wisdom do you speak? God wants to take us to another level. People will not be able to withstand us. They will not be able to resist the wisdom. They will not be able to resist the spirit of God functioning through us. Can I hear an amen? How many of you want that for your lives? Okay. Number four, spiritual authority is to be honored. Now, this is an interesting one. And we see this in the life of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 15, I'm going to read this. And I just want to unpack and exegete it a little bit. First thing I want to say is that impartation is linked to honor. You won't get what you mock. You see, if I want to go to my next level and I want to function in a higher dimension of the miraculous, for example, I can't be going around mocking people who are at another level in comparison to me. Amen? I need to honor what I want. Amen? Ask yourself, where do you want to go? What do you want in your life? And then say to yourself, how do I treat those people who actually have it already? If you are envious of them, you're short-circuiting that grace to come upon you, that anointing that they have to come upon you. 
They're things that communicate the anointing. They're things that act as conduits of the anointing. Is everyone following? All right? And one of the things that blocks that is where you mock it or disrespect it. Okay? And watch this. Miriam and Aaron, I'm reading from verse 1, began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Now, the Cushites, this is quite interesting. Remember, these were, these were descendants of Ham. So there was Noah, and they had a son called Ham. Remember that, right? And Ham then had Cush. Okay? And these are the people, if you talk about Cushite languages, we're talking Ethiopia, Somali, that region of the world. Right? And there was obviously some form of racism here, but Miriam had issues with this. Miriam and Aaron were like, how come he's married a Cushite? How many of you have been very quick to speak against a decision someone makes in terms of like, oh, how come they've married that person? Now, if that's someone in spiritual authority over you, you must be careful. Amen? As it was with Moses and this situation, so it is today. These kind of things don't change after the New Testament. Amen? People say to me, I oh, know, but we're now in the New Covenant. We're now in... So explain to me what happened to Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts when they were lying. And Peter said, you're lying to the Holy Spirit and they dropped down dead. Could it be that there are many people sick today? There are many people dying prematurely today because they haven't honored spiritual authority. Come on now. Herod. He fell down dead and then was eaten by worms when he was resisting the gospel. New Testament, book of Acts. Last time I checked, book of Acts, New Testament. Amen? So we need to have balance in our theology and not just say, oh, everything is chucked out because we're now in the new covenant. There's some things that stay on. Now watch this. And some people act like God had a midlife crisis, you know? And all of a sudden his whole personality changes. It's like, I'm doing things completely different. No. Right? And sometime next year, we're actually going to teach about law versus grace because it's not really verses. Okay? It's law and grace. Right? And we're going to teach on that systematically. So it says, they began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? You know what I find interesting about this? It seems like their conversation was not just about the Cushite wife. It's because he's married this wife, somehow this familiarity grows, and they're now saying, ah, but we're also at the same level. God can speak to us just in the same way as with Moses, so it's all fine. But there are levels. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. What conversations are you having about spiritual authority over you? And I'm not just talking about pastoral authority. For the married woman, women in the room, your husband is your primary covering. How do you speak concerning your spouse? Can I go there? Right? For those of you in a home, your father and your mother, they're your authority figures over you. How do you speak about them? Have we joined the bandwagon and find ourselves mocking presidents of nations? Those of you who do, like I do, work for government and various things and so on, or coach some of these senior people, etc., you will know what I'm talking about when I say that there's a spiritual dynamic we're dealing with when we go into that territory. Because the Bible says that God is the one who places governments there. Amen? 
the whole concept of government is God. God, God is God is God's idea, and God places governments there. How do we speak about authority? Now, what does God say? It says, and the Lord heard this. Then quickly, there's an insertion in verse 3. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Right? I know people laugh about that because Moses was the one who wrote numbers, so he's the one saying this about himself. Okay? <laughs> right? And then it says in verse 4, At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But, they, but this is not true. Of my servant Moses. Say to the person next to you, there are levels. This is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Now there are already things stated here about Moses in terms of glory. One of them is his humility. The other one is he's faithful in all my house. I believe those are two keys that take us to a place of promotion in the spirit. Just as an aside that I'm saying. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Now some of you might be saying, no, but in the New Testament it's different. But even in the New Testament, Jesus says to his disciples, guys, to you I speak plainly. To those guys over there when I'm speaking to the crowds, I speak in parables. When Jesus was transfigured, he didn't even take all his disciples. He says, guys, I'm going to just take these three. Come, let's go. James, John, Peter, just you. When Jesus was performing miracles, remember when he was working with Jairus' daughter, what did he do? Did he say, everyone, feel free, come in? No. He says, the rest of you stay outside. I'm just going to have the mom and the dad, and I'm going to have these three guys coming in with me. He didn't even have all his disciples. Say to the person next to you, their levels. All right. So I find this interesting because it says here, Aaron turned to her. Okay, let me say, verse 9. The anger of the Lord burned against them. Some people say, God is not angry with you. You heard that statement before. Why do people keep saying that? God, the, the person of the Father God, has emotions. When God is angry, it's not sin like it is with us a lot of the time. Amen? Because there's righteous anger. And it says here, the anger of the Lord burned against them. And he left them. I find it interesting the things that upset God. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. That's one of the reasons why when we pray for the sick, we explore some of these things. Amen? Sickness isn't always to do with, oh, this person sinned more than that person. But there are times when people have to renounce certain things that they've said to spiritual authority or certain, certain activities that gave the enemy a door Right? Or that spirit of infirmity that has caused the sickness. Right? Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. 
Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb and its flesh half eaten away. What I find interesting is it describes this thing as sin. That's how serious it was. Do not let her be like a stillborn. Verse 13. Moses cried out to the Lord. So he was the one interceding. Amen. Beautiful thing about the new covenant Christianity is we can all intercede. We can all stand in the gap. Amen. Right? Moses cried out, please God heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move on till she was brought back. So what Miriam and Aaron did slowed down the people of God. Amen? They couldn't move on. There was a delay. Could there be delays in some of our prayers? Could there be delays in church growth? Could there be delays in us moving on to the next level of glory because of this type of sin? Spiritual authority is to be honored. Amen? Please don't get me wrong. If you've got an issue with a church leader, if you've got an issue with people over you, address it. Paul says to Timothy, do not rebuke an older man, but appeal to him as you would a father. And we encourage that type of openness. It's much better talking directly about issues instead of going away and gossiping about them. Amen? Amen. So you address it. What I find amazing here is that God actually says to them, why were you not afraid to speak? Why were you not afraid? Why didn't you have that sense of reference that slows you down before you open your mouth? Amen. I like what Watchman Nee says here. He says, whenever man touches God's delegated authority, he touches God within that person. Sinning against delegated authority is sinning against God. As the point landed, okay, number five, spiritual authority establishes you and your words. Spiritual authority will establish you and your words. How many of you know it's one thing to be in a land, it's another thing to be established in the land? How many of you, how many of you are from outside the country? Okay, a number of people, right? Okay, outside the country, right? How many of you know that some of you have come to South Africa and your mindset is, yeah, no, we're just here until things get better at home and you still call the other place home. You're not fully established. But others of you have said, you know what? For as long as God has called us to this nation, we're embracing it as our nation. And we want God to establish us. How many of you know that when God establishes you in the land, your spiritual authority is in an, at another level than when you're just visiting and just examining things? Amen? Sometimes we don't go to our next level of authority because we haven't fully embraced a nation. My wife and I have adopted this nation. We've said, okay, this is our nation. This is where we are. And it affects our level of authority in the nation. Amen. Okay. Let's have a look at Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. Verse 19 to 21. And please, if you didn't listen to the message a couple of weeks ago where I spoke about levels of spiritual authority, please listen to it. What God often does is he will, he will target certain days where he'll say, oh, you know what, I'm going to put this revelation in Paul's heart 
because I know one, two, three, four, five people need it. But then if you're not that, there that day, you end up missing out. Amen? So I want to encourage you to just listen to it because it ties in nicely with this. First Samuel chapter 3, 19 to 21. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fail. God let none of his words fail. Some translations say, God let none of his words fall to the ground. Do you know what that means when you're talking about the prophetic? Everything Samuel said came to pass. You know what is being said here? When God establishes you, you will make decrees and everything you say follows suit. Amen? If things are not in a particular way, because you've said them, they become that. Someone wants to receive that. All Israel, from Dan even to Bathsheba, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. You see, some of you, in your dreams, in your visions, God has spoken to you about your destiny, but it hasn't yet been confirmed throughout the land. God might have spoken to me in 98 and says, you're a prophet of leadership, you're a voice to leaders, but the whole world doesn't yet know. Are you following me? When God establishes you, everyone knows. For some of you, God is establishing your businesses so that it will be known that in all the land, this land surveying business is the best and people must come to you and you'll see the whole world flocking to you. That's for you, Mr. Manuma. Amen? I'm establishing this doctor and all of South Africa will know this is the place to come. I don't know about you, but I want to be established by God. I don't want to just have a dream and a vision where God is saying, I've called you to this. I want it to be established and confirmed. That's what spiritual authority does. And I find it very interesting. It says, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The place I want to emphasize is, is just before that. All Israel from Dan even to Bathsheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Do you know what this influenced? It influenced when kings needed to speak to a prophet, Samuel was there. When kings needed to be anointed, this is the man to do it. He was established. And when God establishes you, he does it first in the spirit realm. Then it manifests in the natural when people catch on. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 11 says... The words of the wise are like goads. All know what goads are. Spikes, spiked sticks that are used when you're driving cattle. Okay? That's a goad. And I find it interesting because it says, the words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails. I don't know about you, but I want my words to be like firmly embedded nails. Okay? Given by one shepherd. May none of your words fall to the ground. May none of your words fail. May everything you speak that is inspired by the Holy Spirit come to pass. May you make decrees. May you make declarations that the spirit realm will never be able to resist. May you prophesy like you've never prophesied before. Amen? Number six. 
Your spiritual authority increases to the degree to which you acknowledge Jesus. Your spiritual authority will increase to the degree to which you acknowledge Jesus. Watch this. Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 31 to 33. Jesus says this, Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, what is to confess Jesus before men? The word confess means to say the same as or to agree with. So if you confess me before men, in other words, you're acknowledging me, you're acknowledging my teachings, you're acknowledging that, yes, Jesus said this, Jesus did this, you're representing me before men. You know what Jesus says? He says, I will confess him before my father. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. You know what our problem is? We've limited verses like this to salvation. We've limited it to just, oh, confessing, okay, I confess, yes, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Okay, on that day, yeah, he says, oh, this is one of mine. There's no indication in the scripture that Jesus is limiting the statement to salvation. He's saying, if you acknowledge me before men and you say the same as what I'm saying before men, so I will do for you before my Father. Now, what does that mean? If you speak on my behalf on earth, I will do the same for you in heaven. Isn't that powerful? If you speak on my behalf on earth, I will do the same for you in heaven. What does it mean when Jesus says, I'll confess you before my Father? I will say the same as what you are saying before my father. When you're crying out, Lord, I need this breakthrough. Jesus is there interceding on our behalf and he's saying, Paul needs this breakthrough. Paul is saying, Lord, 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 please enlarge my territory. Enlarge his territory. He's representing you there. He's our advocate. So each time you go out and you're like, hey, I'm going to deny Christ here. It's not politically correct. It will affect, I'm sharing with you the technology, right? It will affect certain things that happen in heaven. Don't think you can just be a Christian and your prayers will be extremely powerful, but you don't confess Jesus before people. Amen? We're talking about levels. Maybe some of you just, maybe you're fine with the level you're functioning at, but I don't know, I, I want to go deeper. Elsewhere, Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me and of my teaching, it's not talking about salvation, so I will be of you before my father's splendor. Some of you want your prayers to be heard in heaven, but are you acknowledging Jesus on earth? And then finally, number seven, spiritual authority is birthed in first-hand intimacy. Spiritual authority is birthed in first-hand intimacy. A lot of Christians have second-hand revelation. A lot of Christians think they'll function in great levels of authority because their pastor does. It's not automatic. There's some things you can't delegate. Amen? There's certain battles that have to be fought individually where you can't have everyone just fighting the battle on your behalf. Amen? So I want to ask you this question. Are you recognized in the spirit realm? 
You see, it's not just about using Jesus' name, but it's about who's using Jesus' name. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying from a place of intimacy with Jesus. It's not a secret formula. Amen? It's not a secret formula. Some people are like, oh, I forgot to say in Jesus' name. There was a time when I was praying with my kids and I just prayed and I closed the prayer and they said, Dad, 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 you forgot to say in Jesus' name. I was like, okay, in Jesus' name. It's not a formula. You're using the name of Jesus so you're going in his stead and making declarations and when heaven hears it, it's as if Jesus himself is saying it. Amen? But it comes from a place of intimacy. Do you just give signing powers to anyone? Do you just give anyone signing powers? No, you give people who you trust, people who you know. And I want to land it by using the scripture here. Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through to 20. And we'll close. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. God was doing what? Extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now please note, this level of authority wasn't taking place with every single person. Maybe potentially everyone could do it, but there was a level of authority he was functioning at that it took place. Can every believer cast out demons? Yes, we've got the authority. Can every believer do it just by, oh, whatever's come into contact with me will do it? We know it doesn't happen, right? But with, with Paul it did. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists Right? We used to practice exorcism, trying to cast out devils, demons. Undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So it was something they were experimenting with. Saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. They couldn't say, by the Jesus whom I proclaim. And no. Second hand. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. Now that word, Jesus, I know, it's an interesting word, okay? And it's talking about experientially knowing. Gnosko in the Greek, right? Knowing experientially. Something you've perceived, something you've experienced. So, for example, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the angel, but how can this happen for I have not known a man? In other words, been intimate with a man. It's the same word that is used. So this demon is basically saying, Jesus, I've experienced. Maybe it was a demon that had been cast out by Jesus and was now in someone else. Everyone following? Right? And I find it interesting because he says, Jesus, I know. Then he says, and Paul, I recognize. Different words being used. Say to the person next to you, their levels. Right? He says, Paul, I recognize. That's the Greek word episteme. And it's probably where we get the word epistemology from, right? But this is talking about having knowledge of. 
knowing about something. So maybe part of his demon gang had said, hey, there's this guy called Paul. You must be careful of this guy. But that was the type of knowledge he had of Paul. Amen? My question to you is, are you recognized in the spirit realm? Are you recognized in the spirit realm? I said to you earlier on, there are times when someone will come and try and cast out a demon, and the demon is like, I haven't recognized this, but I, don't, I haven't heard of this person. Let's see what they've got. Maybe I can trick them a bit. Maybe I can hide a bit. Then there are those who those demons have recognized and have heard about. Be careful of this guy. Don't let this guy into this town. Principalities, don't let this guy into this town because this will cause havoc. And the moment the person steps into the room, you see demonic manifestations where people are, where, where people are falling down, people, the demon is fleeing. What's happening? That person who's walked in is recognized in the spirit realm. Everyone following? All right? Now, what's interesting here is that it goes a bit deeper and it says, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. So they fled out of that house naked. I don't know how they got naked. <laughs> and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Amen. Amen. How many of you today are saying with me, my love, you can come up, are saying with me, I want to go to my next level. I want to function at my next level of spiritual authority. This is what we've got in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone here right now, just bow your heads, and we're going to pray. I believe the Lord wants to do something so special. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I haven't yet given my heart to the Lord Jesus, and you're saying, I want to surrender to him, I recognize that I'm a sinner who needs salvation. I recognize that Jesus was the mediator that God himself came onto the earth and died for us because none of my works could ever earn me salvation only the blood of Jesus the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that it is by grace that we've been saved through faith we need faith to believe in Jesus and he gives us that saving faith to believe in him but we're saved by grace what is grace God's riches at Christ's expense Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus has taken it upon himself to die for us. And he rose from the dead. And so we rose with him if we're in Christ Jesus. But we need to receive this gift of salvation. 
If you're here and you're saying, I want to surrender, and Pastor, I want you to pray with me as I surrender to the Lord.